Mindy Carolyn. I'm so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're a guest, thank you so much for coming. In your seat or on the pew in front of you, there should be a blue card. If you could fill out the basic information so that our staff can thank you for coming, that would be great. On the back of the blue card, you will also see a place to put prayer requests. Anyone, guest, or member can write a prayer request down, and tomorrow morning, the staff will pray for each one of these. As the offering plate goes by here in a bit, feel free to drop that card in there. For now, I'm going to share a few announcements about what is going on in the church so that you can know how to be involved. My first announcement is for the women of the church. On September 30th, we'll be having another Cultivate event. This is a monthly event for women of all ages. There will be food, fun, and fellowship. You can sign up by going to fbccookville.org slash cultivate or by calling the church office. This is a great opportunity for all the women to get together. You don't want to miss it. My second announcement is for the college students. On October 4th, we will be having a game night here at the church from 6 to 10 p.m. There will be free food and prizes. Make sure to bring your friends because this is a super fun event. This month for Pray, Give, Go, we are highlighting the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board's Golden Offering. This is an opportunity for us as a church to partner with other Tennessee churches to bring the gospel to people who need it. Our goal as a church is to raise $8,000. Please pray about how God might be calling you to sacrificially give to this ministry. That's all the announcements I have for you today. Make sure and check the Chronicles for other announcements I didn't mention. Thank you so much for coming to Cookful First Baptist this morning. I'm so excited to worship our Heavenly Father with you. Especially for being here today as well and invite you to engage in every aspect of worship today and uh, call attention to your bulletin when you take that home with you there are other opportunities that they did not announce on the video so it will be a reminder for prayer and for participation in those things you would like to also some very special guests we have here today are Philip and, and Lauren Reinke and uh, their their daughter Jenny and son Logan they're in the nursery now but uh, We've been praying for the next uh, pastor and director of children and young families. And um, God has put uh, the Ranke family and us together for a vote today. And so earlier service had their vote. You'll have an opportunity to hear his testimony and uh, then to cast your vote. And then we'll announce at the end of the service. So uh, be in prayer for this process. And as we continue to look for a youth and college pastor as well. But now I'll ask you to stand and greet those around you, especially introduce yourself to somebody you haven't met before. Thank you.
invite you, King, to worship with us. Let's worship our great and mighty God with the song, Our God. You are stronger, you are greater than any of the other gods that people worship on this on this earth, Lord. Um, 
that, that if we have you, Lord, if you have us, then nothing can stand against us, Lord. Nothing prospers against you, and, and we thank you so much for that, Lord. We pray that as we come this morning, Lord, uh, and as we, as we meditate and think upon you, Lord, that, that you would show us your glory. Lord, that we would see you in a, in a mighty way this morning. We know where two or more are gathered in your name. There you are among us. But, God, so often we miss you because we're not dialed into you. So, Lord, this morning I pray that, that we would dial in our hearts to your movement. And, Lord, we would see you, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see you move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. just do come before you knowing that you are a holy, holy, holy God. And God, we pray to you this morning that, Lord, that you will open the eyes of our hearts, that we, that we may be enlightened to know what is the hope that is, that is your calling. 
Lord, that we might know what is the wealth of your glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe according to your mighty working of your strength. Lord, those things are there for us to know if we pursue you. And God, I pray this morning that you would open, as we continue this this service, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to see your will, to see your glory, to experience you. So God, move among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hey, I'd like to invite on the stage in, in just a moment someone you will be interested to meet and uh, kind of frame a little bit for you this morning. Several years ago, when I first came to be pastor of First Baptist Church, there were some things that I recognized and, and wanted to develop. And a couple years later, a year or so later, we developed a, a call to a group of people together, an ad hoc team, where we looked into children's ministry and our reach to children and to the families of our community who have children. And one of the things that I realized in that process and praying and continually praying for our children and the children's ministry of this church is that we need to really put some emphasis towards that. So developing over the years has gotten us to this place where our, our personnel team began, the committee began to search out what would it look like to in, bring someone on staff that would, their focus would be children and young families. And, of course, we presented that with the church and talked about it, and it was favorable and understood that that was God's direction for us. So for many, many months, we, we took applicants and searched and really interviewed and looked through and tried to find the right person for that position. And uh, God led us to a couple that uh, I want to introduce to you at this time. So uh, Philip and Lauren, if you all will join me on stage. Uh, they have, uh, they're here today to, as you've seen for the last several weeks in our Chronicles, if you've been a part of us, they are um, here this weekend in view of a call. And I'm going to ask Philip a couple of questions with you this morning so you can get to know Philip a little bit better. I know Philip pretty well, and the, the staff knows Philip, the committee knows Philip. And yesterday, the children's leaders got to meet with Philip. We had a church-wide event where people could come by yesterday afternoon and meet the family, get to know them, and uh, ask them questions. So today, you won't really get to ask any questions, but uh, I want you to kind of understand who Philip is and, and see our focus as a church to invest in children and where God is leading us at this moment. So, Philip, you need a microphone. Let me get that. This is Philip and Lauren. You got? You don't have one? Okay, no. yeah. This is Philip and Lauren. And they have two children. And uh, they were in our, our first service. And Jenny is two and a half, is almost three. And uh, three next month. And, and um, Logan is eight months old. So they're in the nursery at this time. And so he has a great emphasis on children, just like several of us on staff. We, we love children, so, uh, and we have them, so it's important. So tell us a little bit about uh, your, your journey, yours and Lauren's journey to this point, uh, spiritually and also call to ministry. Yeah, so I will apologize that uh, our kids aren't here. We, we wanted to bring them up here so you guys could see them, but they, uh, Logan's sleeping, and if you have kids, you know you don't. Don't wake, wake that up. Don't wake the baby. Don't mess with that. Um, but uh, briefly, uh, for myself, I grew up in Virginia. Um, I was saved when I was five in a Domino's parking lot. Um, was baptized when I was seven. I'll tell you more about the Domino's parking lot later. Um, baptized when I was seven. Grew up in the church. Uh, my family was there every time the doors were open. Uh, 
about middle high school, um, I started to uh, really dive in and, and see what it looked like for, for me to truly be living out the stories uh, that I had heard, that I, grew, that I had grown up with. Uh, when I was about 16, the Lord called me at a, a youth retreat, um, and I just knew there was a stirring in my spirit that there was something that I needed to be doing um, in ministry. And at the time, the, the children's pastor at our church was also the counselor, so began talking with him, and I guess it was his little coercion into children's ministry there as I'm talking with him about feeling the Lord leading me, um, and then just stuck with it. Children's ministry is a, an amazing uh, just an amazing ministry, um, just to see kids grow and to learn and to, to see the, the gospel become real in their life. Um, anyway, but through all that, Lauren and I met in college. I went to college in Virginia Beach um, and then ministered at a church for almost four years, um, just under four years um, there in Virginia until the Lord led us to Wake Forest, where we're at now. Um, I've been going through my master's, um, going through seminary, been there a year and a half, and yeah, there's a little bit about me. Yeah, good deal. Well, um, earlier in the first service, I think we, we answered uh, really well here, but um, so you want to grow up one day and be a senior pastor, is that right? I told the first service, I'm gunning for his job. Yeah. I want it. <laughs> no. no. Tell us a little bit about why children's ministry and what, what, what really strikes your heart. And I know God's called you in children's ministry. I've heard that call, but express to the congregation this morning um, what, what, why children's ministry. So in the, in the first service, I can't remember the verse exactly. I had it the first time, and now I, now I don't. There's a passage in Judges, um, Judges chapter 2, that uh, says that when Joshua died, a generation rose up that didn't know the Lord or the things that he had done. And if you're familiar with the rest of the book of Judges, it's a mess. It's full of sin because of the fact that they didn't know the Lord. They didn't remember that, um, which is a call. It's a, it's a, it's a wake-up call to us to, to realize that, there was a, a generation that was missed, that they didn't grow up from their childhood to their adulthood. They didn't, un, they didn't know what God had done, so they didn't know how to live it out, so they followed the world. And that's something that I don't want to see happen. Um, kids are, it's, it, you're, you're teaching the foundation. It's the, the base that the rest of their life is going to be built on. The framework is either going to be with Christ or it's going to be apart from Christ. They're going to have a framework. Um, and I, I, I love getting to, to be a part of that, those building block years, those foundational years. Um, come back to Scott's thing, I have no intention uh, long term. Um, the Lord has not called me to, to be a senior pastor. Um, if he does one day, I'll go for it. Um, I'll go wherever he leads. But for right now, um, I and we feel very strongly to, to children's ministry. It's what we feel like God's gifted us in. Um, and I, I've been saying for, uh, for a couple months now that I want to be in children's ministry as long as I can be effective in it. Um, and I think I've got a few good years left in me. I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I hope a bunch of good years. And Lauren and, uh, and, and Philip make a good team as well. Lauren has yeah. a, um, an education degree and as a first grade, am I right about that? It was a first grade teacher. She's taken a bit a step back from that at the current so she can be home to raise the kids until they go to school. And uh, then, then wants to return because her love and call is, uh, is children as well and ministering that. So they, they really, when we've, we've talked to them at depth, we've seen how together they are 
on their ministry focus to, to children. It's good to have a team, too. Uh, um, man can't be called to God and to the service of God unless his wife is called as well to be in that service and, and to, to serve God. So it's good to see that call that they both share. And uh, so we're, we're grateful to be able to bring them up. That's just a brief introduction of, of Philip and his call to ministry and his, his passion for children's ministry, but understanding that passion and having searched that out uh, as a staff and as, uh, as a committee, a personnel committee, we come to you and say that we affirm, we affirm them as, uh, as their call and, and want to bring them before you this morning in a formal vote. So what we're going to do this morning is I hope when you came in, everybody got this, a member of the church got a, a vote, a, a card to vote on. It has a yes and a no. If you did not, though, and it very possibly could have missed that, if you would please raise your hand. The deacons will come around and, and give you uh, a ballot so that you can participate if you're a member of our church and you didn't get one. And what we're going to do is we're going to simply check yes or no about based on how you feel God leading you on this vote. And then we're going to pass those to the center aisle as Greg comes back and leads us in a, in a time of worship. So simple as that. We're, we'll look forward to uh, counting those and bringing that back to you at the conclusion of this service, the, the two services together to let you know how that responds. Thank you so much, Philip and Lauren, for being with us. I almost called you Jenny because I just love Jenny's wave and little Jenny. But, Lauren, thank you all for being here with us today. Greg? Go ahead and stand. Um, last week I mentioned that God had commanded us over 50 times in the Bible to sing for the Lord, to sing a song to Him. So it's not an option uh, to not sing. It is and to sing. Um, and one of the things you do when you sing, you reinforce um, theology one to another. And one of the, the parts of this next song we're going to sing, which is Be Thou My Vision, has a great statement in it uh, that I want us to build on theologically. And... All right, he's... he's are you stuffed in the ballot box? <laughs> we don't do that here. Okay. Um, verse 3 says, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Think about this as I read it. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only be first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. Some great theology that you can build a whole generation on as Philip was talking about, a generation that missed who God was. This is a, this is a song that, that you can hang your, your hat on, you can dwell on for a while, uh, and build a whole theology off of it.
Father, we just thank you so much that you are our vision. Lord, that, that nothing else in our lives should matter but you. And Lord, may your presence in our lives be the one thing that we desire, the one thing that we place uh, all of our hope in. Lord, let it be you. God, because you are greater than anything that's, that we would consider to be great, Lord. You're, you're farther beyond the reaches that we can reach, Lord. You, you extend beyond eternity, and that's a far way uh, to go that we can even understand. But, Lord, we just pray that you will be that one in our hearts that we hold and that we treasure. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
Well, good morning, church. Hey, let me invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 is where our text will come from today. I asked Alex to put that together for me, and uh, what a peaceful thought that was as you looked at those moments. So there's a lot of noise in this world. There's a lot of things that bombard us and distract us, but uh, just what what a peaceful time we uh, are afforded with God when we come to Him and seek to know Him better. So the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been talking about knowing God. How can we know God? How can we know Him more personally, more intimately, more passionately? What does it mean for us to truly seek a deep relationship, striving to know God more and more every day in our life? And as, as the pastor, as your pastor, I, I want to lead you to know God more fully. I want you to know everything you can about Him. I want you to know Him personally. And today I want to look at what it looks like to meditate on, on God and on God's Word and, and, and not only his, on His Word, but also His promises, which are His Word, and, and also the activities of God. There's, there's some things I, I want us to think through about how we can meditate and grow in our love for God, our knowledge for God, our relationship with God. You know, when I think about growing in love with God, there, I know there will be people that will say, well, I, I know God. I mean, I, I've got a relationship with God. I'm good. But uh, I remember when I started uh, 15, 14, 15 years ago, I was challenged by a man to pray with my wife. And, and the challenge came as, hey, um, you need to pray for your wife. And, and I said, sure, I pray for my wife. No, I mean, you need to pray for your wife out loud. You need to, she needs to hear you lift her name before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in front of heaven. She needs to hear you speak her name and pray a blessing over her. And I said, well, that's challenging. And ultimately what was going on in my life was I wasn't one that prayed out loud at the time. I'd just gotten saved a, few, a little bit before that. And I just wasn't, I was, I was intimidated, honestly, to pray out loud and to think that I would sit with my wife and pray out loud. That kind of, that was intimidating. Uh, but I wanted to pray for her and I did pray for her. But I took the guy's challenge and I began to pray for my, my wife. And as I prayed for her, uh, one of the prayers that I lifted before the Lord was this. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me. Love her more every day. I don't know why that struck me just now, but it did because my heart of hearts says I want to love my wife more every single day. And and you, th- I mean, I was madly in love with my wife when we got married on June June the seventeenth of two of nineteen ninety five. I was madly in love with her then. I loved her then. I loved her every day since. I don't always like her, but I love her, and uh, you know. Just playing, that's our kind of inside joke. She says that about me. But really, realistically, I loved her deeply, but I wanted to love her more. So I said, God, help me love her more. And I can be honest with you and transparent this morning to say that when I said that, I didn't know that that, that would could really grow. I, I, I couldn't see what that would truly look like. I just knew that I wanted to love her as much as I could. So I passionately asked God to help me love my wife more and my wife to love me more as we walk through each day of life. And I can tell you today, looking back on, on those 15, 14, 15, 16 years, however long that's been, that I've been praying that prayer, I can tell you that I have markedly seen God move my love for my wife and my wife's love for me to greater, deeper levels than I could have ever imagined. I love her more today than ever before. Why do I tell you that? What, what, what is in it for us? I mean, other than the other pastor loves his wife and his wife loves him. That's good stuff. 
But reality is, God wants us to be in a deeper, more intimate, more personal relationship with Him every single day of our life. And it is, it is possible. Just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean that your relationship today is where it can be tomorrow or into the future. God wants to draw closer to you and you draw closer to Him. And if we seek God and we work through the ways that God's shown us in the text that we can grow closer, then it will make a big difference in our life. We started out talking about reading the Word of God. It is impossible, truly, for us to know God if we don't read His Word. He's given us His Word so we can read His Word and know His character and know Him personally and understand more and more about Him. Not only that, we talked about praying to God. When we, when we read God's Word and, and we take that into our lives and our heart, not only do we read it and take it in, but we get to talk to God about what God's talking to us about. We need to pray through Scripture. We need to get real with God and say, God, that text just told me this, and, and I need to change that in my life. Or, or, God, that encouraged me in this way. So today, I want to apply that in my life. So we, we have the Word of God which teaches us. We have the prayer, the, the opportunity, the privilege to pray so that we can talk to God about what He's talking to us about. And then last week, I talked to us about fasting and, and how we can set things aside in our life for the intent purpose of, of seeking God on a deeper level that I'm willing to sacrifice something. I'm willing to set something apart in my life so that I can know God better, so that I can focus in intently on this time with God. And, and every time that hunger pain rises, I mean, every time I'm like, oh boy, I'm hungry, then that can remind me, why am I doing this? Not, not just to punish myself, but to bring myself into submission before the Lord and say, God, that, that hunger pain reminds me that, yeah, I need food, but God, more than food, I need you. I need this personal relationship with you because you're the one that's going to sustain me. I mean, when, when, all, when the wheels fall off the bus, God, when everything goes awry, you're the one that's going to carry me through. So I want to develop this walk and this intimacy with you. So God, while I'm, while I'm fasting and I'm seeking you, God, fill me with your presence and your power so that I can, I can endure and walk through this life with you more, more closely and more attuned to your spirit and your will for my life. All of us should be seeking the will of God, and God wants to deliver that will to us. He tells us, He said, this is the will of God. Scripture tells us your sanctification to grow in likeness to Him, to know Him more fully. So as we, we come to Joshua in this text, a little background, uh, Moses has, has led the Israelite people, and, and the leadership has changed. The, the mantle has passed, and now Joshua is to lead the people of God. And in order for the people of God to be led in the right direction, Joshua needs to keep himself planted and firmly focused on the direction of God. He needs to be going in the right place at the right time. He needs to be following perfectly the will of God. And the only way he can do that is to know God and God's will for his life. Joshua is not the only one that needs the will of God to be known in his life. You need to know the will of God. You need to know the direction of God. You, you need to know where God's leading you and your family or, or you as an individual. You just need to know where God's leading you. So how will we do that? Have a relationship with God. The more personal and the more in tune we get to God, the greater that relationship's going to be, the greater that knowledge is going to be of, of who, what He's calling us to and, and how He's calling us. So, I want to look in one verse of Scripture to start with in Joshua, first chapter, verse 8. And I want us to do that together. So if you will stand with me and let's read God's Word together. See what God told Joshua. 
He said in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that it may be careful, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Father, stand before you today. We, we God, seek you. Seek you through your word, God, to speak into our hearts. And Lord, you're telling Joshua to meditate. God, help us understand how that applies to our life. Lord, don't let us leave here without grasping your call on our life. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for your love and, and for the privilege to be before you this morning. Now minister to us through your word. We pray and ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. So um, we, we may be sitting here. I just mentioned fasting. If you weren't here last week, let me catch you up. In God's Word, there's 77 times we're called to fast. You may say, well, I didn't know we were called that often to fast. I mean, I like to feast. I don't really like to fast. But uh, it's pretty important when we're called once by God to do something. But I, I think the, mul- the multitude of times and the repetition of times should bring us to an understanding that God's serious about this, okay? And, and in meditating, we say, well, you know, I don't, know if, I don't know if I've ever really meditated. I thought about just setting a chair on the stage and saying, okay, for the next 30 minutes, we're going to meditate. Just see how many of you pass out and went to sleep or <laughs> what your thoughts would go to, where you'd wind up at the end of the service. I don't think that'd be really constructive, so I'll give you time on your own to do that. But this morning, we understand that meditation is important. And, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, 57 times in the Bible, it talks about us meditating on Scripture. So we see a distinct call here to meditate. Joshua's being told to meditate. Why? Why would, why would God tell Joshua to meditate? He needs direction for his life. He's leading the Israelite people, and he needs direction. So meditation, uh, we're, we're called to meditate on God's Word for direction for our lives. We're called to meditate on God's Word for the direction of our lives. This is clear here. And, and we see that uh, God instructed Joshua to lead the followers uh, of the Israelite nation into the promised land and that he would lead him by his word. He, God would speak the word. Joshua would hear it. Joshua would lead. If we study the book of Joshua, one of my favorite books of the Bible, but when we study the books, book of Joshua, what we see is this. We see a man who follows hard after God's will for his life. When, when God says do it, he does it. He just he, he, he gets very much so into a pattern of, of going out on conquest and, and conquering what lies before him. And, and nothing stood before Joshua when God said, do it, he did it, and, and it, they fell. People fell before the army of Israel. This little army, empowered by God, accomplished great and mighty things, except for when Joshua said, oh, we got this. Yeah, this is going good. We've got this. I'll just, we'll take a few people, we'll go over there to AI, and we'll make it happen. And then they got it handed to them. Folks, the, the moral of what we learn in that is that when we walk with God, and, and he, He's going before us and leading us, when we're walking in His will, and we've meditated upon what He's called us to do, and we're focused on that, and we're going in that direction, whatever lies before us, if God's leading us to it, He'll carry us through it. But when we walk out in front of God and we go on our way with our pride and, and our abilities, guess what? We'll get it handed to us, quite simply. So, so we see that God's direction in Joshua's life was important. So he needed to meditate on the Word of God 
so that he would know the will of God, so he could see the way of God and walk in the way God wanted him to walk. So it was very important. And God's word spoken to Joshua was crucial for him. God told Joshua to meditate on his word. What is Christian meditation? Well, Christian meditation is the intentional focusing on God's word to draw near to God and apply God's word in obedience. Did y'all catch that? Y'all wrote it down, right? You got it. Absolutely not. It probably went right over your head. So let me, let's dive in and think about what is, what, Pastor, what do you mean when you say meditate? What does it mean in Christian terms to meditate the way God would have us? It's an intentional focusing. Intentional. There's intentionality to focus on what? God's Word. That we would focus in on God's Word, that we would draw near to God and apply God's Word to our lives in obedience. James tells us, that if we draw near to God, He'll draw near to us, and Satan will flee. How many of you ever feel like you're being attacked by Satan? Like, man, he's just, he's just after me. Golly, I, I'm, just, I'm always under attack. I'm, getting, I, I'm tempted to do this and tempted to do that, and I seem to fall. Are you drawing near to God? Because when you draw near to God, Satan flees. Satan will not be in the presence of the one who is filled with the Spirit of God. And, and continue, we have the power when we are being filled with God and walking with God, in tune with God, and we have to seek Him. So as we, we see that, not only do, does it tell us that draw near to God and He'll draw near to you and, and Satan will flee, but James also tells us in the book of James that, that um, when we um, focus in on God's Word and we, we, we hear God's Word, that we're to be not only hearers of the Word, deluding ourselves. We're to be doers of the Word. We're to take the Word of God and apply it to our lives. So what does Christian meditation do? It it is an intentional focusing on God's Word to draw near to God, to hear His Word and obey His Word, apply it to our lives. That's what Christian meditation is for. So you you say, what what does that look like in Scripture? Let me just give you a couple of verses. I'm going to throw two up here. First one I want to look at, and I'm going to go through it line by line, is Psalm 1. One of my favorite psalms says this. It says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. When you look at that, it's saying you're blessed to be the person who does not do these things. There, There is a lot of counsel in this world that is wicked. A lot of you and I will see it every day. We can, we can get wicked counsel very easily. But how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I want you to notice there, there's some progression. There's walking, standing, and sitting. What happens in our life? So often we get accustomed, we get, we get closer to things, we, we get bombarded in a world by society's pressures to just accept and become tolerant to new ideas. So in other words, we're walking at one point, we're standing in another, and all of a sudden we kind of settle in sin. And we let sin settle around us. How blessed is the man, how blessed is the woman who does not allow themselves to settle in sin? How do we do that? How do we not do that? Well, the second verse answers that. Look at that with me. It says in the second verse, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So what is the the counter to all of these deceptive ways and measures of the world? Know God's law. Know God's Word. Accept God's Word in our life. Meditate on it. Know it in the day and night. This is something that should constantly be with us. 
We should want the Word of God to come in. So uh, what does it look like when we, when we actually meditate on God's Word? It changes our direction. And verse 3 tells us what happens. He will, be like, he will be firmly, or be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. I want to prosper, don't you? I don't know anybody wants to fail in here. I don't think you came here today, oh, I really want to fail. Man, I just, I just really want to fail at life. No, we want to prosper at life. We want to, we want to get things right. We, we love, we were talking to Sunday school today, we love to be on a winning team. We, we like to be on a win, not a losing team. I mean, I mean, you say, man, I just want to find the losingest team and I want to join them. No, we would like to be on a winning team. And, and when we, we look at this, the, the Word is telling us that if we, if we let the Word of God filter into our life, and we meditate on the Word of God, what it does is it, it firmly plants us. We'll have roots that grow into the source. And we're not connected to the world anymore, which is an, a, a, a source to an end that's not good, but we're connected to God, who is the giver of life, and we get that life in our life, and we're connected to Him. I want you to be connected to the source that is good, that will bring prosperity. And I'm not talking about... There's so many prosperity messages out there about name it, claim it. I'm not talking. I'm talking about the prosperity. I know Jesus, and I've got eternity. I know where I'm going, not because of who I am, but because of who He is and what He's done in my life. I win. I mean, I have eternity at stake for me, afforded to me, not because of my goodness, but because of His righteousness, and I win. So we we see that we can be firmly planted like a tree by a stream of water. When we meditate on the Word of God, it filters into our life. So that's kind of the what. It changes. It changes our direction and results in, in a personal encounter with God when we meditate on His Scriptures. We, I cannot meditate on God's Word and, and really focus on it and draw it into my life without me being first in communion with God and, and closer to God, being drawn into His presence, and also being challenged to change. There's a challenge to change, study God's Word. So what, why, why, why is that, Scott? Why, why would I meditate? Why is meditation important, though? It's, help me out here. I hear you, but why is it important for me? Well, I want you to look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. It's a very simple verse. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So what you think about, what you bring into your mind, what you allow to come in, comes out. There's another scripture. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I, I can't take in junk and produce good. If I want to, you know what I'm talking about. Do I really, I can illustrate it, but do I really need to illustrate this to us? The more we allow darkness into our life, the more darkness comes out of our life. Mama said it this way, if you lay with, the, lay with dogs, you get fleas. You just kind of, are you all right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? When, when we, we associate with what we surround ourselves with. The more you're surrounded by negative influences, the more you're surrounded by, by sin that's accepted, the more tolerant you become, little by little, inch by inch, you lose ground. 
Daddies never crumble in a day, the, the song said. It was so many years ago, I forget what year that song came. They never fade in a day. They, it's, a, it's a process where we slowly allow things to come into our life and we have this exception or that exception and we, we crumble little by little until we find ourselves busted and hurting and lost in our direction. So as a man thinks, as a woman thinks, that which you bring in and you, you think on, you become. And I, I'm not asking us to do mental gymnastics here and try to always have these good, calm, soothing thoughts. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a moment. But what I am asking us to do is focus on the Word of God, which can plant us firmly by a source, which will help us accomplish all that He's called us to. So, so God willingly directs the life of those who are focused on His Word, allowing the Word to permeate our lives. How, how, do we, how can we know God more? By spending time in His Word. Re- reading God's Word alone, though, will not change you. you, you I can read God's Word and it not have any impact on me. How many of you ever read a passage of Scripture and you're like, get through and you have no clue what you just read? It's when we focus in and say, okay, God, I just read that and I didn't get it. So I'm going to read it again. And if I have to read it again and again and again and again and again and again, I'm going to do it until I get it. Because you got a word from me here. You're trying to tell me something. Not some scripture is profitable, the text tells us in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, but all scripture is profitable. Every, every scripture I read is profitable for me. And it's, it's good for reproof and, and correction and training in righteousness. So there's something here for me wherever I turn to. So, Lord, this, this is going to teach me something. But we need to focus intentionally on God's Word and let it soak into our lives, growing closer to Him, and, and let it transform our lives. So meditation comes to us. That, that's what meditation is all about, when we come to the Word and let the Word come into us. Now, we, we really need regularly to find a quiet place where we can get along with the Lord and meditate on His Word. But we live in such a busy world. Amen? Is y'all's life busy? Got a lot going on? Just overwhelmed at times? You know, like, how in the world am I going to get it all done? <laughs> there's, a, there's a country music song that was out several years ago. Says this, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Oh, me. Can you say, oh, me? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> a lot of times we get in such a hurry and such a rush, we, we're like, what in the world is going on? What am I allowing? Why am I allowing all this rat race to control me instead of just putting, push the pause button for a moment and let God speak? And, and correct my thoughts. So, Joshua, as we see in that text, he really needed, he needed the Word of God to come into his life so he would understand the direction God had him to go on. But not only that, we, we are to meditate on God's promises for our life. So not only are we to meditate on God's Word, and God's Word, there are promises, but I think we need to focus in specifically on the promises of God. So where do you get that from, Pastor? Look at verse 1 of that same chapter. Joshua 1.1 says this, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, 
and you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. He promised something to Moses. He's presenting it to Joshua. From the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. There's a promise. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Another promise. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Another promise. I will not fail you or forsake you. He's promising. Be strong and courageous, and you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Another promise. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Another promise. God is a promising God. In fact, I just want you to understand, church, there's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. And God's good for His promises. God, God's very capable of fulfilling His promises. You, you tell me one promise God hasn't fulfilled. Anybody? He's coming back. That's the only one that hasn't been fulfilled. He says, I'm coming back. For my church. And you know what? I'm waiting. I stand waiting for him to return because he is coming back. All the thousands of promises that he's promised and he's delivered on, I can bank on the fact he's coming back because he promised he would come back. He's coming back, church. And he's not slack as some count slackness or slow, but he is long-suffering and patient, hoping that none would perish. In other words, he wants you, your family, your friends, and everybody you bump into to know of the great love that he has for you. And, and he wants you to present that. You are the agent to present that love of God to everybody you come in contact with because God's drawing their heart. And if they'll hear from you the love of God that you've experienced, you can lead them to a love relationship with Christ. He, he's, he's waiting Matthew twenty four fourteen says, and, and this gospel of this na- uh, shall be preached unto the nations, and the end shall come. It's going to happen. There's going to be an end time. It's going to come. And God will return. So are we ready? Will he find faith on the earth when he returns? Will he find it in you? So here we see that there's promises. There's things that are going to happen, and, and we've got to get ready for these promises. And, and, and God's made these. And, and so we have meditation. We're to meditate on these promises. And I, I've, got to, I've got to say this. Today, it's imperative that I say this. There's different kinds of meditation. There, there's the Eastern meditation that you may study about of, of false religions, and then there's Christian meditation. There is a difference between Eastern meditation and Christian meditation. So not all meditation is the same. Somebody told me that after the first service this morning, said, yeah, but the Eastern meditation is very helpful for the body. It can physically release you. Like when you're angry, you, you, your, your vessels get restricted and, and you get tense and stressed. But if you enter into even the Eastern meditations, then that releases that and, and you can be more healthy. I said, let me tell you something, brother. The Prince of Peace gives us peace. And apart from the Prince of Peace, there'll be no peace. So when we meditate on Jesus, the Prince of Peace comes in and we got peace. I don't need anything but Jesus. And that's enough for my mind. Now, I'll tell you this. The Eastern meditations are this, that we would empty, that we would totally disconnect from all things so that we could be in a moment of freedom. Well, can I tell you this? Christian meditation is totally opposite of that. It's not about emptying. It's about filling. Christian meditation is about focusing on Jesus and being filled with His Word. That His Word would come in. That would be my thought process. That my mind would be focused on Jesus 
His Word, His will, and His way for my life so that I can walk appropriately as He's called me. So that is my goal as a, as a Christian meditating. I want to meditate on God's Word to be filled by God and His Word. I don't want to be empty. I've been empty before, ladies and gentlemen. I've lived apart from Jesus for 31 years of my life. I've been empty. It's a horrible feeling. I want to be filled. Can I get an amen? Good. So here we see there is a difference. A Christian meditation is, is, the personal, is a personal relationship with a living God. There, there's so many in this world that want to be separated from the living God. In fact, there are people that will they'll dispute the fact there is a God because they really don't want there to be a God. And those who agree that there is a God, if we look back through history, there's been many occurrences where people have tried to position themselves apart from God by putting somebody in between them and God. We saw this with Israel. They didn't. They had God as a king, and they said, "We want a king like all the all the other nations. We want a, we want an earthly king." And God said, "I'm your king." They said, "No, we want, a, we want an earthly king." They wanted someone to go between them and God. We see in the in the Catholic faith that they put somebody in between the person and God. Can I tell you? Scripture says there's one mediator between man and God, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the only mediator I need is Jesus, and He is Lord. I've got a mediator I can draw near to. And He knows me. And I can know Him. So we're called into His presence to meet Him. In fact, meditation does away with a mediator. I don't need a mediator other than Jesus. I don't need a mediator. I don't need an earthly person. And I don't need to be separated. I want to draw near. Why do people want to be separate from God? Y'all remember, every one of you was a kid at one time. Some of you still are. And every one of you did something you didn't want mom and daddy to know about. And boy, when they came around, you got tense. Oh, goodness, they're going to find out. You didn't want to get too close because they might find out what you've been doing. And you didn't want them to understand everything that was going on in your life, so you kept a little bit of distance. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are distanced from God today because they don't want God to know what they're doing. God already knows what you're doing. And He loves you. And He died on the cross at Calvary to free you from sin and shame. And He's offered you an opportunity to walk to Him and be freed from all of that. He wants you to draw close to Him. Not be at an arm's length. So meditation brings us into that place where we can be close to God. We can know Him. And God's promises are revealed. He tells us, if you call upon me, I will save you. If you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. So we've got a God who says, you know what? Meditate on my law. It's good for you for direction. Meditate on my will for your life. The, the standard that I put before you that says, this is right, this is wrong. Focus on that. That'll get you somewhere in life. And also meditate on my promises because I'm going to keep on promising. And I'm good for my promises, and you can meditate on them because they apply to your life today. And the last thing I'd share with you that God says is that we are to meditate on, on God's activity in our life. God calls us to meditate on the, on the things He's done. So in Scripture, He's given us 66 books that display the activities of God that we can meditate on those activities that God's done. God, God's, that's, what, that's what Joshua had before Him. He said, I've got... Joshua had five books. He had five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
And they, they contain the, the oracles and, and, and the activities of God before His people that He had called, created and called. And it shows how God interacted with them. So He had those activities of God to meditate on and to think on. He said, well, you know, if, if God did all this in their lives, He would do it in my life. I remember when I got saved, that's how I came to Christ. I, I was sitting there reading the Bible one day, and I was reading all the things that God did for other people. And I, was at a, I was at a very rough place. And I said, God, if you'll do all them things for those people. Would you do that for me? And if you will, I'll tell you, I, I give it all to you. I've lived 31 years of my life for me. I'll live the rest of it for you. I have no clue what that means, but I want to be, I want to be touched like you touched them. Change me, transform me. And he did it. I ain't who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be. But I'm not who I used to be. I'm a man on a mission and on a journey, and you can be on that too. As an individual, you can be walking with Jesus and living for him. And many of you are, and I'm grateful that you are. But God, God is active in this world. He was active in the times past. Joshua had that before him. He's active in the present. Joshua got to see him work in his life. I mean, Joshua was there when God rained hailstones down from heaven and obliterated a whole army. He saw it. He said, oh, man, God's still working. Those things don't have The sun stood still. And Joshua saw that. He saw God working. It was, it was like, wow, God. Can I tell you, we've got some wow, God moments in our life. If you'll just pause and look at them and meditate on what God's done in your life or in the lives of people that you know. If you're a Christian and you've lived for Jesus, you've seen God do some amazing things. And I praise God for that. I've, I've tried to draw you into those moments where you would think about those. You would meditate on those. and you, you would remember all the things that God's done in your life. Well, God was active in the past. God is active in the present. And I'm telling you, if he's active in the past and active in the present, I'm convinced he's active in the future. i got a future hope in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his activity not only in my life but in all of yours. We've got a God worth meditating on. So what does it look like to meditate? You may say, Scott, I got it. I mean, I hear everything you're saying. Pastor, it makes sense. But what do I do with this? Well, in your Chronicles this morning, there's sermon notes. And, and those are there for you to take notes on. And on the side of this, this morning's sermon, there's, there's a block there with seven verses. I want to invite you to join me this week. Let's do this together. Let's take those seven verses. And let's get up early in the morning. We've got to win the battle with the sheets, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you have lost the battle with the sheets. You can't get them off of you. You've got to win the battle of the covers and get out from under them and, and get before Jesus. If that means an extra cup of coffee, get one. But we need to put ourselves before the Lord, before the world rushes in. Once the world rushes in, it's kind of hard to really focus on God because everything else hitting us. But we need to take those verses of Scripture. If you don't like those seven, God bless you, I'm good with that. Pick seven more. But pick a verse of Scripture, a passage, a text that you can... Zero in on and say, God, for this moment right now, I want to focus on this. I want to, I want to grasp it. I don't want to leave it in the next few minutes. I want to carry it through the day. I want to see it. I want to understand it. I want to think on it. I want it to bring some transformation and change in my life. Let's do that together as a church this week. And let's meditate on these texts. And let's see how they apply to our life. And let's understand how we can draw near to God. It may very possibly, I almost will guarantee you, 
in many of your lives, if not all of your lives, if you participate in this, bring you into a nearness of God where there's some confession of sin. There's a closeness that you haven't felt in a while that will be experienced. And we'll be able to meditate on the King of Kings, His direction for our life, the promises that He's promised us, and the activities of the past, present, and future to carry us in a close relationship with God. So at this time, we're going to have an invitation, and this is how we're going to do this. Maybe you're sitting here today and like, I just really need to draw near to God. I want to meditate on His Word. That's Him speaking to me. I want to meditate on that this week. Maybe sitting here and say, you know, Pastor, I'm having a hard time meditating on Him because I don't even know Him. I don't have that relationship. I've never given Him in my life. So, Pastor, would you pray for me today? Yeah, I will. You confess your sin. Call on Jesus. He'll save you, redeem you, and you can walk in newness of life today. And we'll celebrate that together as a church. So I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but this is our time to respond to the call of God to meditate. So let's just think on God during this next few minutes and say, God, what do you have me do? What does that look like right now? What does that look like this week? What does that look like in this life? What will you have me do? And let's respond appropriately to God's call. If you will stand with me. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this group of people you love and I love. And God, I pray that you'll lead us to respond appropriately to your word right now, right here, in Jesus' name. Amen. You come forward as you will. The, the choir, will be, or the, the praise team will be leading us. The altars are open. You can come pray. This is your time, church. Make the most of it before God right now. Let's get before God right now.
Would you please join me in prayer? Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we consider it such a privilege, Lord, to come before your throne of grace. Lord, we thank you for the beauty in your triune nature as sovereign and creator over all. And dear God, how you took on flesh to live the perfect life. And Lord, be raised again to glory. But Lord, you didn't leave us. You provide us that comforter and friend in the power of your Holy Spirit. We praise you for the power that we find in your word, the promises, Lord, that are found there. Help us, Lord, to grow closer to you as we meditate on those words, as we seek to apply those in our lives, that we would live in true worship of you with every thought and every action every day of our lives. Likewise, Lord, in worship we move to this time of giving. We seek to return to you a portion of how you've so richly blessed us. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards of your mercy and your grace on our lives, Lord. Help us to apportion our time, talent, and treasure in a way that is glorifying to you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. 